John's Gospel, chapter 15. And I love this Bible because it's, it's large print, so that, that helps me. Because <laughs> I'm getting up there, guys. Pray for me. I'm getting up there. My eyes are getting bad. Um, okay. As you guys are turning there, and, and maybe some of you have landed there, just kind of gauge the audience here. How many of you guys have, uh, how many of you guys consider yourselves stubborn, to be stubborn? Go ahead and raise your hand. Some of you are so stubborn, I'm like, I'm not going to do what you tell me, Pastor Gabe. I want to raise my hand. All right, let me flip for you guys. Let me flip it this way. How many of you have been accused of being stubborn by someone that loves you? Okay, that's all of us. That's all of us. Okay, this is the honest service. So the Spirit of God is here. Praise God. That's so good. Um, yeah, you know, as I was thinking about stubbornness, it, it makes us do a lot of silly things, a lot of a dumb thing. And, and, and stubbornness is like sometimes it's something that's happening to you that you don't know you're in the middle of it. The, as we read the Gospels, so those of you that We've been walking with Jesus for some time and have gone through the scriptures. You see the disciples be very stubborn and kind of narrows what you, your, your, your projection of reality. It, it narrows your focus in a, in a way that doesn't make you more focused. It actually makes you more inside of a box. You know, as I was thinking about stubbornness, I, I was thinking I've observed at least the, three kinds of stubbornness. Um, the first one, there's that old saying, right, that you can be as stubborn as a mule, um, apparently mules are stubborn. I don't know the difference between a mule and a donkey. I'm sure someone here does. Maybe after service, come find me. I'd love to know. I didn't research it that deep, but apparently you can be as stubborn as a mule. The next one always offends people, and that's not my, that's not my attempt here, okay? I'm not trying to uh, uh, offend anyone, but don't you guys agree that like there's like mule stubbornness and then a whole nother 10 rungs about that in intensity to stubbornness? Is like house cat stubborn, right? The room's divided. I instantly divided the room. There's tension. Oh no, what do we do? House cat stubborn. Man, cats just aren't impressed by us. Like they don't care. Like they don't need you. They, as long as they have water and maybe some cat, you know, the kitty litter's fresh, they could go on for weeks without you. Cats don't need you. They are stubborn. They, they do what they want. There's a whole nother stubbornness that I've learned uh, since then, though. So there's mule stubborn, house cat stubborn, um, and then there's, how many of you guys are stubborn? Like, your stubbornness kicks in when someone you love tells you you can't do something. Like, we're like, you can't, like, well, you can't do that. Oh, you just better watch me do that right now. You know, I, before my wife and I moved up to the, the Northwest a couple years ago, we're from Arizona originally. I, I'm from Mexico, um, and, and my wife, her name's Brittany, so you can guess where she's from. Um, blue eyes and blonde hair, and, and uh, uh, she's from Albuquerque. So I always say, I'm Mexican, and she's new Mexican. She's like this new, this new breed, this new breed of Mexican. That's so cool. Uh, but my wife and I were getting ready to move to the Pacific Northwest, right? So... Of course, there was like a list of stuff that we had to do to our house before we sold it, right? But that list was like someone telling me what to do. And again, being stubborn messes with your thinking. My, my, uh, my old youth pastor used to say, it's stinking thinking. You know, it just messes things up. So I have this list of stuff I got to do. Uh, and at the top of the list is something that had been broken for a long time, our, our garbage disposal, Okay. So our garbage disposal is broken for a long time. Now, my wife, uh, God bless her soul, she, she, wants to, she wanted at the time to just punch through that list. Like, let's just hire someone, husband. Come on, let's just do this, the garbage disposal. And she, said, and she said these words, which were almost like profanity to me. You know, She said, honey, we should just hire um, a plumber because you just can't fix a garbage disposal. Like, you don't... 
And instantly, I tell you guys, instantly, like, I looked at my woman. I looked at her in, in the eye sockets. And I said, woman, it is not God's will for you to say that to me right now. You know? <laughs> and then I got in so much trouble. Um, <laughs> I got in so much trouble. But man, my stubbornness kicked in. So I did what any self-respecting man would do. I, I grabbed my phone. I went in the bathroom and I cried. Uh, no, I didn't do that. I, I, uh, I typed in YouTube, how to fix garbage this phone for. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a renaissance man. And, I, and so I'm in there and I'm streaming through like the results page, going through, trying to find the shortest video, you know, because I have to prove my wife wrong because, you know, I'm prideful that way. Uh, this is old me, by the way. This is, you know, I'm more sanctified now. So grace. Don't judge, the, if, this, if you're visiting, don't judge the, this church by this teaching, okay? Come back next week or when Pastor Kevin's here. Don't judge it by me. But, so I'm going through YouTube videos. I'm trying to find the, the shortest one. And remember, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but when we're stubborn, we do dumb things, right? So I'm on, I'm on YouTube, and there's, there's these like super long, like three-hour, four-hour, five-hour step-by-step tutorials on how to change a garbage disposal. And I'm like, man, I'm not trying to get a master's degree on how to change a garbage disposal. You know? I'm not going to grad school. Uh, I just, give me like a 10-minute thing. But I, after page three or four of, of, of YouTube videos, there's one that there's like this, this woman who, she's on there, and it's 28 minutes long, 28 minutes long teaching. And again, when you're stubborn, you're foolish. So me in my fallen state, not redeemed me, okay? Don't judge me back then. Give me some grace. But back then two and a half years ago, back then, <laughs> way back then, uh, way back then, I see this video and I'm like, well, if a woman can do it, you know, <laughs> again, I got, I got in trouble then, not now, right, you guys are tracking, that's, get mad at old me, not new me, I'm, I'm redeemed, so, so I'm like, yeah, this one, so I start watching the video and I got to go buy the thing, so I go and buy the garbage disposal, now, before I tell you uh, how long it took me to do it, because I, I set a new record uh, based on what that video and all the comments below. Um, my toolbox uh, is, is, is a paper bag. Uh, <laughs> just giving you context. I'm giving you context so the joke will end. Uh, my toolbox is a, is a paper bag, like a Fred Meyer bag. Uh, in it is, is a, a half a used up roll of duct tape, because you can fix anything with duct tape. Um, a size D battery, because you never know when you're going to need one of those, and, and like, a, like a broken flashlight. Like, that's what my toolbox was, right? And again, we're stubborn. We do dumb things, right? So that's my level of handyman, like, background, if my toolbox qualifies me. So I got the thing. I got the stuff. Now, when you're stubborn, you do dumb things, right? So I, I get the box, and I put it on the counter, and I see it's got a picture of the garbage disposal. So I reach into the box, and I pull out the instruction manual. Now, when you're stubborn, you do dumb things. I'm like, well, these, this is trying to tell me what to do. I don't need these. And I just throw those away. <laughs> Old me, not new me. Okay, we're all in progress here. Uh, we're all in the process. So on top of that, there's like this really weird tool inside the box. And I'm like, well, I got my own tools. I got duct tape. And besides that, and besides that, I got like these, these bear paws that I call my hands. I could, with my brute strength, I could just twist this thing out of the sink, you know, it should, what, five minutes, tops. So I throw the tool away, stubborn. I kid you not, it took me, so it took the lady 28 minutes to do the thing from beginning to end, uh, and narrate at the same time. Uh, it took me seven and one half 
okay, how'd you know that? Come on. Hours. It took me seven and one half hours to swap this out. I punctured the first one because uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to use a, a screwdriver uh, to, con- oh no, it was a butter knife, because I don't have a screwdriver, to wedge this thing out. Uh, I punctured that thing. I couldn't figure out the hose thing. When we are stubborn, we do dumb things. Or if you want the whole sermon in a sentence, and we're going to get into the scriptures here in a moment, if you want the sermon in a sentence is, you can't do what you want to do all the time. I learned that that day. You can't do what you want to do all the time. Now, let me give you the why, because the why is equally as important, okay? So if you just hear this part, and afterwards you can just fall asleep, but this is the big picture that you got to take away. You can't do what you want to do all the time. Why? Because your idea of a good idea has some bad ideas sprinkled in it. The problem is you don't know where they are. You see, we can all be influenced by stubbornness, by foolishness, by pride, by arrogance. Any one of those things can color the way we see reality. And what we think is a good idea is actually a bad idea. It's got some bad ideas sprinkled in it. And left to our own devices, we can't figure out where those bad ideas are. I know it's obvious now because hindsight, right, 2020, we look back, clearly there were some bad ideas in my garbage disposal. But when we're living in the moment, because of our fallen, broken selves and our broken world in which we live, we can be influenced by our bad ideas and not even know it. Now, this passage that we're going to read takes place during the last week of Jesus' life. It's like one of the last messages he leaves his disciples. Later on, he calls them friends. We'll see that in this chapter. But I want you to think about if you had one week left to live, what advice would you leave your children, your friends, your family, the people that you care about, people that you're in community group with, people that you've gone on a missions trip with, people that you serve with, coworkers that you really, really enjoy? What is the advice that you would lead them? Because that's what we read in this passage here. Okay? So here we go. All right, let's do this. Here we go. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, the vines, common symbol throughout all of Scripture. In the Old Testament, we see this commonly referred to. Uh, Looking out in that part of the world, Jesus would have seen vines growing, both wild vines and ones that are kept, ones that are uh, cultivated. So Jesus is using this to say, this is you guys. This is an image of you, that there is a a wild vine, and then there's a true vine, and that's me. What Jesus is saying, you guys, you disciples, you're perfectly capable of of growing on your own ability. Left alone, you could grow, but you would grow wild. Just like when we don't know what the right thing is to do, we grow stubborn, and then we break things, right? Jesus is saying, you guys, what you need to know is that you, and so here's our first point for those of you taking notes. Our first point is this. You are wild and you need help. You are wild and you need help. This is a message that Jesus is telling him. He's saying, look, without the proper guardrails, you would grow in such a way that would be destructive to you and to your environment. Why do we 
followers of Jesus, for those of us that have been walking with them, and I understand in a room this size, there may be people who have yet to choose Christ, and that's something that we want to acknowledge for sure. You know, we want you to be here. You belong here well before you believe, okay? But left to our own devices, without proper structure, without the disciplines that Jesus lays out here, we would grow in such a way that would be harmful to us. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans. I I wish we'd had time to get into it, about how the wild branch, the wild vine was grafted in. For some of you that have gone through Romans, you remember that. Um, But Jesus is telling them, without me, I'm the true vine. I will show you where the truth is. Have you guys ever been in your house when the power goes out and you're left to kind of wander and search and you don't have your phone nearby so you can't use your flashlight or go get your Fred Meyer paper bag with your broken flashlight in it and and a class D battery? When the lights go out in the house, the first thing that you do is you start to search around for a fixed point of reference so that you know where you are. And once you grab it, you're like, okay, I know that this way is the kitchen. I know that that way is the hallway. I know that the bedrooms are this way. And then you navigate around that fixed point of reference. As long as you're connected, you can navigate in the dark. That's a structure that Jesus places in our lives. You see, we live in a dark time. In the last 24 hours, for those of you that follow the news, there's been two very serious mass shootings. Uh, one in El Paso and then one just recently here in Daytona, 10 people. In 24 hours, in Dayton, Dayton, yeah, Dayton, Ohio. We live in a dark time where we need all the help that we can get to navigate the darkness. I know that comes as a shock to you, and these are communities that are going to need our prayer. These are communities that are going to need a lot of resources. Um, we live in a dark time but you can navigate the darkness when you're connected to the true vine. So last year, I was with my, uh, picking up my kids from, from school. And what I didn't know at the time was that uh, blackberries grow here. Now, let me go back. In Arizona, we don't have lawns, okay? We rake our rocks. Like, that's what we do. Like, we rake rocks. Uh, you watch out for school. In Arizona, anything can poison you or poke you. Or stab you or bite you. Like every, everything is either poisonous or wants to put... Po- like, if, how many people... Anyone in Arizona? Yeah? All right. Oh, okay. All right. You, you guys are the smart ones. You, let, you, want, you, you, you chose life. So you moved to the, you tra- you moved to the Northwest. Yeah, I want to live. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, when I moved to... Por- I was living in Portland. I, I helped launch the Portland campus for Crossroads. Um, I was in just awe. Because as I'm walking through the city, there's blackberries just growing everywhere. It's like free food, God's candy, everywhere. Uh, and, and I thought it was awesome because, again, I come from a place where things go to die. Uh, everything just grows here, you know. <laughs> you could grow anything in the soil here. Um, so we, we, we would, on the way home from school, we lived in the city, and we would pluck, uh, you know, blackberries. And, uh, and they would grow everywhere around columns and overpasses and fences and on the road and, and sidewalks. And they, they even wrap themselves around other trees and are pulling them down. What I didn't know at the time is that they're an invasive species. Like, I had no idea. Like, again, I thought it was God's candy. Like, we could all eat for free. This is great. I, I found Eden. I found the garden. So uh, for about a week or two, every day after school, I'd be able to run home before work, I mean after work, and, and, and pick up my kids and then walk home and eat blackberries, right? So, um, and, and like I said, they, they would grow on, we would have to cross this overpass, and I really liked the blackberries, and after two weeks, we got all the easy ones, so we had to get the hard-to-reach ones, you know? And I'd pick up my kid and hang him over the bridge and be like, 
No, I'm just kidding. I'll just, I'll see if you guys are still tracking with me. All right, you're all still good. All right, I'd pick up my daughter and put her over the thing. No, okay, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But we did grab some blackberries. Now, during that time, 50 yards down the road, there's this crazy dude, or what I thought was a crazy dude, yelling at the three of us. And he's waving his arms, and he's just like, seems really upset. Um, waving his arms, yelling, yelling, and, and it sounds like he's saying Roizen or, or Toizen, 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 really far away. And, and I mean, I'm in Portland, so I'm like, well, that's just a normal guy, you know, <laughs> like, like normal Portland dude, uh, so what can go wrong? But he's coming closer, and he's coming closer, and he's yelling, and he's waving his arms. And so he starts, and, and so now I, I definitely hear the word poison. I definitely hear the word poison. So I'm like, does this guy think we're in Arizona? Like, what is the deal? And I said, no, blackberries, you know. But he keeps yelling poison. So now I'm thinking, A, he's either a fan of the band, uh, the, the, you know, maybe, it's possible, or I'm eating poison. Well, it was neither of the two. What actually, as he got closer, he said, the city, in order to control the, the blackberry bushes, in order to tame them, has to kill them. Left to our own devices, we grow in wild ways, and we end up harming ourselves and harming the people around us. And this is something that just was cemented that day, because when we're connected to Jesus, and we're going to read this in a moment, he says, he says I'm the vine dresser. I'm the true vine. We see this image of the Holy Spirit being a trellis. Have you ever seen a vine that's well cared for, that's cultivated? It's, it's something beautiful to behold. With the right system, you can actually make it grow in beautiful ways. It could prosper. This has to be us because left to our own devices, we grow like blackberries and we end up becoming poisoned in order to be controlled. And we don't need that. So let's keep going. Jesus says, I am the vine, so he's breaking it down, and you, you are the, uh, the branches, okay? He who abides in me, that word abide means dwells, uh, come live with me, and I in him, so it's both and, bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. That's good. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. There's the death to self. And they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ah, so that's how we live with God, right? We take in his word. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. We've realized that our life, we flourish when we're connected to Jesus when he lives in us and we live in him. And we bear fruit, right? Those wild blackberries, they do produce fruit. They do, but not for long. When a blackberry bush is not maintained properly, the weight of the fruit drags it down, where the fruit is then taken by insects and vermin. It's not appreciated. It's not fulfilling what it's designed to do. It's rotting. It's falling apart. It's being trampled upon. How many of us feel like this last week we've been trampled upon? What kind of fruit is our life producing? Or do we find ourselves just dragged down and beat up? And the Lord's saying, hey, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to cut that away. I know it hurts right now. I know it feels painful. But I'm pruning you so that the weight of these things that you don't need can free you up so you can receive the best possible light. 
That's what Jesus wants for each and every one of us. But so often we give in to, well, that's not what I want to do. I, I want to do what I want to do all the time. But you remember, right? You can't do what you want to do all the time because your idea of a good idea has some bad ideas sprinkled in it. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. When I read this verse early on, uh, I was so excited because it's like, oh man, it seems like Jesus is saying, whatever we want, we can get. Whatever I want, he will give me. I just got to rub the magic lamp. I just got to, and, and for, the, for the believer, for the Christian, for the religious person, for us, the magic lamp is, well, I went to church, or I read my chapter, or I lifted my hands during worship, or I tithed, or I served at that thing. Like, like we all have our own magic lamps, right? Like our magic lamps are the belief that if we do, God will. That's what a magic lamp is. If we do, then God will. So we all have our own. We laugh, sure, at Aladdin, and, and the remake was pretty decent. Uh, spoiler alert, it was great. But, but we have our own magic lamps. It's any religious idea that we think that by whatever our earthly action is, we can compel God to do something instead of us aligning our will to his. We all have our magic lamps. I remember when I came to faith in Jesus, my mom was actually the one that, that started going to church. You see, we grew up in Mexico, and, and so we would go to, to Catholic church, and, and you know, ca- Catholics and Mexicans, we, we go together like chips and salsa, like it's just like a thing. It's just you just do it, but you don't really know why you do it, but you go. So I had no idea of, about what church was supposed to be. I just knew we went to this place. It took forever. No one was happy to be there. There was all this Latin singing. We spoke Spanish. So they're, they're similar. They're based in the same thing, but there's some gaps, uh, you know, and, and people wore funny clothes. Like, that's all I remember from being a kid. So by the time I became uh, high school and college age, I was not walking with the Lord. I had no concept of what that looked like. But my mom... My mom started allowing the the Lord to prune her life and to cut things out. And I saw my mom tether herself to the true vine. And you see, I mean, you guys, you don't know, like, you don't know my mom. That's a thing. Like, if if we were in Tucson, I was preaching this message, everyone would just be like, preach. Because my mom, prior to coming to faith in Jesus, like, you thought stubborn Gabe was bad two and a half years ago, but, you know, like changing a garbage disposal. My mom, like, for anything, she's like, she, she, cuss like a sailor. Like, I don't even, I'm not even going to get into it. There's no way I could get into it. So when I saw my mom come to faith in Jesus and the Lord prune stuff out, like, I'm in college, you know, uh, I had no desire to go to church, but I instantly desired what had transformed my mom's life. I saw something in my mom snap, and she couldn't go back to living her old ways. And instantly I became hungry for what she had. So I showed up to a Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel Tucson, and I remember seeing people, much like when I walked through here today, like people being genuinely excited to see someone and hugging them and people wearing jeans, like that's a Calvary thing. You know, we didn't do that in the Catholic church. Uh, And so, you know, I I saw people encouraging one another, praying for one another. I saw all those things here today. I just want to commend you guys because it's those things that really make the world yearn to be here. There was a time where the church was an irresistible place, where it was somewhere that everyone wanted to be. And I think we have the capacity within ourselves being connected to the true vine, right? That's the key, being connected to the true vine to become irresistible again. You see, it's not that people don't, it's not that people don't want to commit to coming on a Sunday morning. 
Because those same people that don't commit to Sunday morning, Saturday morning are at their son's soccer game, right? And they're at every practice. What they're telling you is that they find more value in soccer than they do in your community. That's all that they're saying by their attendance. But we have everything here. These things are alive and thriving in this community. And that's what blesses my heart. Because we, the church, can become irresistible again if when the people see inside, they see Christ on the outside. Does that make sense? So we can be irresistible again. We want that. Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. In Jesus' day, the disciples, that word was so important. You weren't just a learner, meaning you just absorbed facts. And for some of us, we get fat with facts, right? We know a whole lot about God, but we don't really do a whole lot for God, right? That just happens. But in the first century, this idea of a disciple was a person who was a learner. So yes, they accumulated facts. Additionally, they were followers, meaning they went where the teacher went. How are you doing following Jesus to work? How are you doing following Jesus to home, at the dinner table? Are you going where Jesus is? Are you a learner and a follower? But the next one's the hardest one, you guys. It's so hard. The first century the disciples, what they were known for. So you were a learner, you were a follower, and this next one's super hard, and I'm working on it, just like the rest of you guys. We're all in process. Imitator. A good disciple was a learner, a follower, and an imitator. And only then would you bear good fruit, meaning you did what the teacher did. And maybe there were days where you didn't feel like doing what the teacher did, because our teacher, let's face it, 2,000 years ago, was crucified and was spat on, and abused, and taken advantage of, and, and gossiped about, and cheated upon, and, and lied about, and, and all of these terrible things, and yet he prayed for those, and loved them. We are to be learners of Christ, followers of Christ, and imitators, even when we don't feel like it, and I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard, but it becomes easier when you allow the Lord to prune those things that are weighing you down. Because he's, he's training you. He's using the trellis, the Holy Spirit, to shape and lead and guide and mold you. Our second point is, you are loved, but you forget. We would become an irresistible place if we were so connected to God's love. I like to say it this way. The essence of spiritual maturity, for those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and for those of you who may not know Jesus, this is how you can judge a mature believer. The essence of spiritual maturity is loving difficult people. If you were to boil it down, how mature you are in the faith, the essence of your spiritual maturity is loving difficult people. We are loved, but we forget. And when we're connected to that love of Christ, we can love difficult people because that love doesn't come from your own ability. You're connected... Let me go back here for the illustration. You're connected to an, an unlimited source. My friend, uh, who's, a, who's a preacher in, in the South, he says, you got to stay near the spout where the glory comes out. Right? Isn't that good? I wish I could come up with that stuff. Like, it's so rhymy and good. you got to stay near the spout where the glory comes out. The glory of God is the love of God. Jesus said, God is love. Jesus is the manifest love of God. And we need to be connected to him. Now, we're going to land the plane here. You guys are doing great. Let's keep reading. As the Father loved me. See, there it is, the love. 
I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So he's saying, you got to camp out there. you got to be a disciple of my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's the sign that you are in God's love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Oh, there it is. As I have loved you. Not as in how you love your pickup truck or whatever it is that you, your prized possession. The standard of your love is how Christ has loved you. Greater love, oh, this is so good, has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You, and this is speaking to all of us, the last week of Jesus' life, you, he says, are my friends if you do whatever I command. There's that discipleship. You see, they were called disciples because they required discipline. You see, they needed to be learners. But church has to be more than a place where a bunch of people get together who believe the same facts about God. It just has to be. You think the world would find that irresistible? Like, you think the world would be kicking down the doors to get in here to be a part of the club of a bunch of people who know the same facts about God? No. That's why you have to be a follower. That's why we go across the street. That's why CCS goes across the street to Kent Elementary and blesses them. Why? Because Jesus is there. Because Jesus cared for the widows and the less fortunate. So we go where Jesus went. And now we're becoming irresistible, right? Now the world's like, oh, well, why are they coming here? Oh, they might have some information about God that I don't have. I want to go find out what that is. But then, then the next thing is just so cool. What if wherever we went, we imitated God what if everywhere we went we lived the way Jesus loved I guarantee you the world would be kicking down the door to get into this place because they can't find that kind of love anywhere else they can't find that love on social media because social media will only get you the likes on Instagram when people like what you're posting they can't get you that kind of love on Facebook because Facebook is going to uh, acquire a group of friends who think that they like what you like, and so then there's this group think going on, and that really isn't love. That's just a genuine affinity for something. You see, the world will kick the doors down to get into this place when we imitate Jesus outside of the four walls of the church. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to go? And I think we're, you guys are doing that. And we look at what you guys are doing, and it's just like blown away at how you guys are transforming this community. Pastor Kevin was telling me just last night, statistically, that Kent is one of the largest growing communities, uh, in, in the, one of the largest growing cities in the country, that there is all this new housing going up. And I know that that's, that's going to inconvenience us, right? It's going to traffic in our streets, and I won't be able to get to my favorite Starbucks because there'll be all these new people, and man right? Like, we just are that way. Why? Because we're stubborn. We love our own patterns, and we don't want to be infringed upon. We like what we like, and we don't like what we don't like. But man, did you ever stop to think Jesus is bringing them out there into us right here? Like, he's bringing them. Like, he's doing half the work for you. They're already coming. But what kind of place will they find? What kind of community will they encounter when they get here. We get to choose that today. We get to choose that. And if you don't know Jesus, I want to paint this picture for you um, that'll help kind of uh, unpack what we're talking about here. So uh, Mary, if you want to cue that video up, we're going to dim the lights here in a moment. I'm going to play a video, and I hope I unpack the gospel in, in a way that resonates with you all here. 
and then we'll land the plane. Are we good? Okay. Mary, cue the video, please. I'd like to invite Johnny and, and the team out to, to lead us here in the closing song. Our final point as we, as we end our time together is you are free from sin and from death. You see, my son and I were watching that video um, uh, a couple months ago, and it's a much longer, it's like an 18-minute video. I just had our video team speed it up. But we're watching this video, and the story behind that house is apparently it was an old uh, house that, that the gentleman bought for $12,000. And I know what you're all thinking, Pastor Gabe, was that you fixing up that house? We've established that, that there's no way that could be me, right? Okay. <laughs> all right. So don't invite me over to fix anything at your house. It would only get more broken. But $12,000 house uh, in this neighborhood. And what's interesting is it's this old dilapidated house. Nobody wanted it. It was an eyesore. And, um, and neighborhood kids and, and people would throw rocks at it and, and, and throw trash there. Side note, and I wish I had time to go into this as a sermon, it's interesting, though, how people are more than willing to throw rocks at something that's broken. Sometimes we as people do that, don't we? Um, that's a whole nother sermon. That'd be, man, that'd be interesting. The essence of spiritual maturity is how we treat difficult people. But this gentleman says, I'm going to purchase that house because I see something in that house that no one else sees. So he put the $12,000 together, and it took him, I think it was 18 months for the most part, he worked on it, uh, on it by himself, except he invited his dad to come in uh, and do the stucco uh, towards the, late, the ending parts. But he spent all this time, spent all this money, and briefly, you guys saw that, right? Um, he started to tear up the floor and pour new concrete and rip out the walls and rewire. I think he ran new cable and new, new plumbing lines and new electrical lines and probably a new garbage disposal. Like, I mean, you know, uh, threw some paint on the walls and expanded the ceiling and put a new roof and painted it and made it beautiful. And I was, so I was thinking about that and, and I know it's like, there's got to be a sermon in here. Has to be a sermon in here somewhere, but I'm not the sharpest spoon in the drawer, you know, and, and, and so my, my, come on, come on, uh, my, thank you, <laughs> but my eight-year-old son's watching it and, uh, and he, he, like, writes a sermon outline. He, he, he says, Dad, um, it was really cool. His, my son's name is Jack. He, he says, uh, Dad, it really looks like this guy knows what he's doing. 
And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, come, come on, son. You know, he's like, this guy really knows what he's doing. Look at how he works. Look at his hands, and he knows what to cut out and, and what to replace, and he knows where, he knows also the order, my son says. Like, it's funny, Dad, he did the this here and this there, and, and so I, now I see that, like, genius is starting to flow, you know, so I'm like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, and write my sermon. Uh, so that was thing number one. He really knows what he's doing. Number two, he says, Dad, I think the guy's taking a long time because he really enjoys what he's doing. He finds pleasure in the work. And so now, like, a light bulb goes off. I'm like, oh, dude, like, you're saying the guy is Jesus. Oh, man, okay, keep going. You know, like, I do think Jesus knows what he's doing. I do believe Jesus enjoys the work, yeah? And then the next thing was so good. My son, like, for the win, like, tweet him later, you know? He goes, he goes, uh, he goes Dad, if, if I did that, if I took all that time working on that house, Dad, if I did that, I would want to live in that house forever. For us who know Jesus, there was a time where we invited him in because we thought, we'll, we'll invite Jesus in and he'll throw some paint on the walls and maybe a new countertop in my heart um, and maybe a new door. I really hate these windows. But all the stuff in the closet, all the stuff in the basement, in the attic, in the garage, all that stuff, that's my stuff and I'm not willing to let those things go. Those are my things. That's my holdup. That's my unforgiveness. That's my bitterness. That's my issue. That's my anger. That's whatever. And Jesus can't let it go. But then Jesus moves in. Like we invite him in. And like I said at the beginning and throughout this time, we're all in process. We're all in process. No one's arrived. No one's gotten there. I don't have it more together than any one of you. Spoiler alert, two years ago, Gabe, stubborn Gabe, is the same Gabe today. It's the same me. But Jesus is working and he's moved in and he's gone into some of my closets and he's taken that stuff out and he, and he puts it out in the curb for trash day. And when I think Jesus isn't looking, I sneak out there and I grab those things and I bring it back into the house. How many of us are like that? Right? We're all like that. But he's just patiently taking stuff out and he's moving a wall and expanding the roof and expanding the hallways and beautiful windows and a whole new thing. And C.S. Lewis for the wind said it this way. Why is Jesus doing that? Because he's building a home in which he intends to live. And that's your heart. And that's this church. And that can be this city if we yield and stay connected to the true vine. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I do, I know that this is something that Pastor Kevin is passionate about. And again, don't judge this church by me if you're new, okay? Come back next week. Pastor Kevin, whenever Pastor Kevin's back, he's going to kill it. Whoever comes after me is going to be amazing. Don't judge this church by me. But I know that this CCS family is a family that wants to continue to grow, wants to make sure people have an opportunity to join it. So if you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you would like to invite him into your home, which is your heart, we want to give you that opportunity today. We're going to ask you to take a couple of steps of faith The first one, here in a moment, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. And by raising your hand, there's nothing magical about your hand being raised. It's nowhere in the scripture where it says that, that raising your hand gets you saved. What the Bible does say is that if you believe in Jesus and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? It's anything that does not please God, that isn't up to his standard. If that's you and you would like to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, We want to give you guys that opportunity by raising your hand now. So 
I'm going to scan the room. I want to give you guys that opportunity. Go ahead and lift your hand now. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I want to invite Jesus in. I need Jesus to come into my heart. I want my heart to become his home. If you're watching this as it's being recorded sometime down the line, we want you to email the church. We want you to reach out to the people here as, as that saying, I'm placing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to abide in him and him in me. I want to scan the room one more time. We always want to make sure that we give people an opportunity. This is a family that wants other family members to join in. So beautiful. Awesome. Okay, so listen. In a moment, uh, Johnny and the team are going to lead us in a song, and then Garrett will be up uh, to close out the service. But I'm going to be available out in the lobby area. I want to pray with you guys. If, if you wanted to raise your hand, you got freaked out, your head talked you out of what your heart was telling you to do, it's no shame, right? It's no shame. There's only freedom and love in Jesus' name, and I want to connect with you. And there's also people at either end of the sanctuary uh, near the tables that want to pray with you as well. Does that sound good? All right, so let's go ahead and stand and let's praise the Lord. Thank you guys so much.